0: Hello, everyone. It is 4-4-2020, and I'm excited about today. It's episode two, and I want to talk about my mother, Maria Guerra, who was an oncologist and hematologist, and she just came to my mind recently this weekend, and there are certain things that she taught me. And I think for those of you who are into holistic health or you're into practicing another type of medicine outside of the typical conservative uh, Western medicine... Uh, all I know is that I grew up with two parents that were both oncologists, hematologists, but my mother was favoring more of using both Eastern and Western combined. And so I wanted to talk to about her because she, she actually gave me about 10 different things that really, really assisted me in my living. Now, some of these lessons I've learned were directly from her mouth. Some of them were just more based on actions. I would say that 90% of what you're about to hear is more of what she did more than what she said. I think it's very, very important because talk is cheap. So there's 10 different things that came up and hopefully this helps you out in your journey and can enable you and kind of help you to um, allow your gifts and talents to come out more readily. So the first thing is mission protection. So one of the things that's really interesting is that the father, my grandfather on my mother's side, her father was very, very protective about her. I remember there was a story that my father shared with me that I guess they were going out together back in Lima, Peru. And all of a sudden, I believe it was my grandfather on my dad's side of the family that was asking her to do certain chores in the home. And when she went back home, uh, my grandfather or her father, my mom's father, was actually asking my father to meet with him. And to say, like, he wanted a meeting with him right away. And basically, my father got scorned that she was doing chores in the home uh, of the house of his parents. And I never knew, understood that. I'm like, why would you get so upset about just doing chores, you know? And it, it kind of had a small symbolic meaning is that my mother was meant to use her mind. And the my grandfather... Really, really wanted to preserve that—that that she was going to be a doctor from very, very early on. She was already telling people like "yotokuro" yo to curo tu "yaya," which in Spanish means "I want to cure," you know, your pain. And she would be at nine years old, seven years old, still healing people uh, and trying to like, do something to assist them in their health. And so it was very like built in her; like she found her mission very, very early. And because of that, she had parents that enforced that, that said, she's going to be a doctor. She's going to be a doctor. I mean, she constantly heard over and over and over again that she was going to be a doctor. And I also want to, you know, let let everyone know my dad also had kind of interesting, had very similar kind of mission protection. Uh, Her, his father and mother too, they, they really wanted him to be a doctor, but there were family members and relatives on my dad's side for some reason kept telling him that you're going to be a doctor one day. You're going to be a great doctor one day. So for whatever reason, you know, whatever you want to call it, fate or whatever, my parents were both supposed to be healers in some way. But I think it's very important that what can we do is that, you know, your children probably have some thought of what they want to do in the future and they're getting bombarded left and right by negativity, by, you know, YouTube channel telling them, you know, to veer them this way or veer them that way. You know, we have very little influence because it says the average American – really only spends 15 minutes with their children. That's the average American. So does your words of protecting their mission really sit there in their heart? Probably if it's only repetitive. And so that's one of the things that I learned is that, you know, when my children, they have some type of mission, my my job is to like protect it and to like enforce it. Uh, and that's why my mom became a great doctor. So that's number one is mission protection. Uh, number two is late night internship. So these are like the 10 different tips and they came from uh, different parts of my mom's life. Late night internship means that my mother, while she was interning and studying in college, she actually would spend the night. She was one of the only people that would spend the night at the hospital because she wanted to go over her hours of how much she should intern in the hospital. So, that's how you also know you're in your mission is who does that? Who who uh, basically denies sleep and says, you know what? I wanna, I want to practice as much as I can and I really want to be a good servant and a good healer. So, I'm going to spend extra hours in the hospital because she would basically never run out of people to help. And so, most people would go home. They would eat their food. They'd probably study a little bit. She wanted to be in activity mode and have real life situations happen to her so she can really understand what it is to be a doctor. So that's a really great clue for us is if all of a sudden our pay was gone and now we're like in an internship in what we do, would we be upset? Would we be grunting? Would we be groaning? Or would we be very happy because we know it's part of our mission? We know that it would help us grow. If you would be, if you're at your job right now and you're and you, they took away your pay and say, okay, now you're going to go into an internship non-payment situation. Would you love what you do? And my mother would have said, I'll take no pay for two years. I'll still do what I do. So that was a big lesson for me is like find things that money is just the cherry on top. It's more of like, you could do it all night, do it all day. Uh, the third thing is get your partner on board. You know, I heard, from, I learned from the, the hard side that You know, my mother and father used to kind of discuss back and forth about holistic, non-holistic, traditional methodologies. And I just understood that they, that's where they had a block together. I think it's very important to get your partner on board. You know, I'm part of an inside-out coaching program with Todd Cahill, and we work together. And one of the things that he says is very important to do is a five-year vision plan. If you do a five-year vision plan, it's almost like writing down everything that you want to see, five years from now so five years from now write a journal entry of you know what when you wake up in the morning what's your perfect day what does it look like and here's the interesting part if you have a if you have a partner you can actually tell them to do the same thing see if you do it by yourself see your partner you feel like oh i have a very supportive partner he'll always do everything you know th- the problem is, is that when times get rough and you're working extra hours let's see if your partner actually supports you so what if you did like a A five-year vision statement, but what's really recommended is to do it with your partner. So on a Friday night, go out there and both of you guys just write bullet points, bullet points of how your future looks like. Now he's going to have different bullet points than you. He might have a different car than what you want. He may have a, he might want a different home or homes than what you want. But the goal is, is to write, let him express himself of where he wants to see himself in five years. And then the trick is to make a photocopy of it and then put it in your five-year vision plan. And then he takes a photocopy of yours and he puts it into it. Then you guys can write in a journal sort of state, a journal state where uh, you're writing it down, combining each other's goals together. That way when times get rough or times get busy or you're working extra hours, um, you can always show him the five-year vision plan and say, like, hey, I thought you were serious that you said you wanted a home in Washington. Or, hey, I thought you were serious about this, this, this. And you're, and he's going, yeah, actually, <laughs> glad you reminded me. Keep going and striving for your dream. You see, because now you're fighting for his dreams too. So I think it's very, very important to get your partner on board. My mother, honestly, never really had that. So that's a lesson I learned from my family is to get your partner on board. Otherwise, going going out to there to the world and it's already like a warlike front and to go home to do battles and then go back to war again could be very, very strenuous on the body. The fourth thing is study, study, study. So this one has to do with my mother taught me She says, I said, should I become a doctor? And she says, well, let me ask you this. She says, what if I, if if this huge blood cell was almost like a, it's like a cell book, like book about cells. He's like, do you think you could read this book front to back and be excited about it? I said, no, I don't think so. Then he's like, this is probably not what you're called to do. So I remember that her mother and her family would always tell me that she was a bookworm. In Spanish, I don't remember what it was called, but she was always studying. She was always—they called her like a like a library rat. Like she was basically always, always studying. Uh, physical education wasn't her thing. She wasn't known for cross country or doing anything like that. Literally, everyone knew her as where is she? She's either at home or she's in the library. Uh, even during someone's birthday, they would, uh, from what memories you know, recall from my family members. They remember her and my father. And my she used to actually tutor my father. She would. They would go uh, during a party, and everyone would be celebrating. They would be gone. They would be upstairs studying together. And then, as soon as they would sing "Happy Birthday," they would come back down, sing "Happy Birthday," and they would go back upstairs and keep studying. So, my mother was an amazing, amazing doctor because she took she took study as a priority. So, whatever you're doing right now in your mission, are you studying every single day, fifteen minutes? Are you? Are you going to eat your food and just eat your food by itself? Or are you? do you have a book out that maybe is going to help you in your trade or uh, whatever field you're in? Uh, or could you be sitting down with someone that knows more than you in that particular field, which is a form of study? Or are you just eating by yourself? There's even a book called Don't Ever Eat By Yourself, which shows that it's like you always eat with someone that either, either you're providing them value or they're providing you value. Otherwise, you're wasting time. Uh, The fifth thing is becoming unorthodox at work and at home. So she did different things that were very um, unorthodox, like come home and she'd be testing urine samples, checking out pH of their clients. Because one of the things that my mother taught me, which was very powerful, she said that make sure to not allow your, your, your patients to go back home to have the same exact lifestyle that caused them cancer in the first place. So it's very important that you check their wellness. She's always preached that from day one. And I remember going like, well, what am I supposed to do with that information? Me being this nirvana listening guy, like, you know, at, (laughs) at like 16. But now being a practitioner, an emotion code, body code practitioner, I do have wellness hacks. If you're one of my clients, you know, I'm probably telling you, hey, do float therapy or, hey, do meditation or, hey, take these supplements or, you know, I recommend these different things because you need to do work, your own work outside of a healer helping you out. It's not enough for a healer just to heal you. You need to also work on your daily habits, your conscious work. Um, So that's very, very important. So she was being very unorthodox because she was doing something that a lot of people don't do, which is like go outside the mold which is to care about wellness working at Kaiser Permanente. So that so if you're in some type of situation where you're at a job and you're doing things kind of unorthodox but it's working, be okay with that. You don't have to fit the mold. What if the mold doesn't work? What if the system doesn't work and you have a better system? Then you should do it and then you should teach others to do the same. So that's kind of like um, – That really taught me to be okay with being weird or unorthodox or abnormal. It's okay to do that because you're actually probably helping more people than the average person. Uh, The next thing is to be a pusher. Long story short is when she passed away, a lot of family members came to me and said, if it wasn't for your mom sitting me down at this time, or if it wasn't for your mom investing in me for this, and if it wasn't for your mom doing this, it's like someone told me that the best way to describe your mom is she was a little pusher. And she would just push an idea or push a thought on someone. And because of that one little conversation, somebody actually like went to a different school and became a doctor themselves. Because of that small investment with a um, friend of hers, that person actually had one of the most successful practices in Palos Verdes. But see, I never knew the story behind it until that she passed away. Then they all came to me and said, hey, by the way, your mother did this for me. If it wasn't for her, honestly, I was like almost homeless. She believed in my practice. And then before she passed away, that person's practice was doing very, very well. Like he was taking care of celebrities. He was doing very, very well. But I didn't know my mother invested. My mother put in a little bit because she was a pusher. Just says, hey, I know you don't have the money. I do. I believe in what you're doing. Let me just push you along. So, I think that might be a very good reputation for all of us. Is that you think that you have to do big, big things for all these different types of people? What if you were just a little pusher? You just anytime you 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 were guided from above or inside of you to help someone out, why not just do it real quick? And you'll be remembered. You don't need to get any big congratulations on Earth, but later on when you, when you pass away, you left a legacy. You left something for people. Uh, the last uh, four more things here: money, philosophy. My mother, very early on, around 14 or 15, she told me, she's like, "Manuel, we don't talk about money in the home. And I always thought that money was like a sin because I, whenever, uh, because the, the way she said it, she was like, don't talk about money here. Almost like it was rude to talk about it. So whenever I had money, I would always give it away. Like I'd be like, okay, let me just give this to you. Let me give you a gift for you, a gift for you, just because I felt money was bad. And that's a very bad philosophy. Money isn't bad. Money isn't good nor bad. I heard it's like a magnifying glass. It makes good people better and bad people worse. And the interesting thing is that she just says, focus on the service and the money will come. And ever since she said that, I remember I'm like, I can't wait till I find the right service so that I can just not think about money and I can just focus on helping people and then the money will show up. Now, some of you guys who are listening, maybe you have a passion to help people in some sort of way. And you're like, I'm not getting much money from my passion. Just not. So don't worry about that. There's always, you can always create an asset. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki said, for the average American to get ahead, you need to create an asset that will spit off cash, whether you work or not. So he said, for someone to get ahead or become even wealthy, you need an asset. And so that so there could be you could be having an online business you could be doing day trading whatever you need to do it doesn't need to be your passion but perhaps that side that side gig you have fuels your passion so you can focus on just helping people. Uh, a really great example is a show in Australia called Healer and there's a person who has special powers where he sits down with someone receives their di- like receives their symptoms and literally within about maybe a minute, maybe 2 minutes their symptoms decreased by 80 to 90%. But then later on in the interview, they asked him like, you know, like, are you getting paid for this? He said, no. He says, you haven't received $1 for your healing powers. He's like, nope, I haven't. I have two businesses that I have that are doing very, very well that finance me so I can go out there and help for free. And now doctors are using him in their offices when they're stuck to help out patients. He just comes in and they start start running tests on both of them. And he's kind of part of these clinical trials to help people out but he hasn't received one penny. You see, so that's another kind of a good example of someone who their mission is to heal people, but he doesn't make money off his mission. You don't have, you don't have, some people do, but you don't have to. He has two other businesses. Uh, There's three more things here. Never pull rank. So never pull rank. My mother didn't like saying, Hey, my name is Dr. Garrett. My name is Dr. Garrett. She didn't, she didn't pride herself in doing that. She wanted to become like, just like she didn't want to sort of have this cockiness about herself, even though she was very doing very, very well. Um, the only time she ever pulled rank was when someone did not respect her. Um, like if it was in the school education system and maybe they didn't call her back because she was, you know, Hispanic. And so they thought, you know, it's like, oh, this, you know, why is the maid calling me? I mean, honestly, that's, she told me, she's sometimes, whenever they would call the home, they'd be like, can, we, can I please speak to the owner just because of her accent? And, um, she would play along with it and go like, oh, you know, the owner's not here. But really, um, she she says, until I said doctor, her, the teachers would call her back at that point because then now she meant serious business. Who knows? Maybe they were afraid of a lawsuit. Who knows? But she always told me, she's like, never pull rank. Never, never put a title on yourself. I know a really great example is Keanu Reeves. If you watch a video on Keanu Reeves and how good of a guy he is, um, even when he wasn't allowed into a club that he was like one of the main – people to be presented um, he waited in line like everybody else you know he uh, even in um, bus uh, I think it was like a train station or a subway station you know he didn't entitle himself to sit down he let someone else uh, a woman to sit down where he was sitting and he stood up and held on to the pole in the subway he didn't use his actor entitlement to say well I deserve to sit down here you don't because you're just a middle class person so uh, that was a very good advice to me uh, two more things: descend your knowledge with kids. So she would use acupuncture. One time, I remember I waking up; I had no clothes on, and she, <laughs> I, had a, I had a lot of uh, nauseousness, um, and she worked on me at three o'clock in the morning, putting needles on my body, uh, using acupuncture points to remove nausea. And I remember, like, she didn't have to do that, but she was using her alternative medicine knowledge on me. And there were multiple times she did that. I had pain in my knee. And she was using pressure points, using some type of small mechanism. And she was showing me in this book saying, see, look, there's a baby in your ear. It's like a kind of a figure of a baby in your ear. And if I kind of touch these certain points, it affects different parts of your body. And this pulsating kind of pinch will affect this certain part of your ear, which then will affect your knee. And to me, I was still like, I don't get this, mom, but I love you. And hopefully this helps out. But she was trying to teach me about what she's passionate about. It's very important for us parents to let them know, to let them in on like what makes you excited, not to to tell them that they should do what you do, but just because you got to let them know that if that it's possible to be excited in this negative world, there's so many negative things happening in this world and that you got excited about something. It's very important that you found your passion, you found your mission so that they have faith they can find their own. Last thing is this, is, you know, be the angel sent. So my mom didn't like just pray for people and say, I hope this person helps out. During the last five years of her life, she actually started a nonprofit in Peru called Gera Source, And I didn't know about this. She kind of kept this as a secret. And she was actually one of the first clinical trials for immunotherapy for a company called Immunophotonics. She believed it was a very powerful procedure, where he used a seashell formula, Insivax, called Insivax, I believe, and um, used light seashell formula formula and a little bit of chemo, and she was helping people with tumors in the breast area, sometimes seventy to eighty percent, and she was going down there. And the sad part about how manipulative Lima Peru is, in regards to like money and corrupt. Uh, like mobism and and how corrupt it is down there and mafia oriented that um, you couldn't receive help unless you had stage four cancer or stage three cancer. You couldn't receive, you couldn't be part of clinical trials. The reason why they did that is because they wanted to extinguish your funds. And my mother knew that. So she had to wait till these people got stage three, stage four. By that time, guess what they were? Financially destitute. And then she would go down there and there'd be lines. There was rumors around that there was these clinical trials to cure or to help out um, breast cancer patients. And there were literally lines going around this building, waiting for my mother to come there. And uh, her brother as well, uh, Roberto Guerra, they were both and um, just a lot of different, some family members were involved and she took them in for free, no cost. And when I went to Lima, Peru, when she passed away with pancreatic cancer, they, um, they all came up to me and said, your mom's an angel. She's like, she picked me up from the streets and I didn't have any money on me uh, at all. And she picked me up and she did treatments on me. And the other people that didn't survive, is because they got she got to them too late. And so the uh, cancer metastasized and went to different places. But the fact that there were five or six of them still alive saying, I'm cancer free. It was because of your mom's treatment. Uh, that she came down here it was very, very powerful. And so um sometimes, like I said, if there's a problem around you that bothers you, and you know, some people, some people move cities when they go like, oh, this this school is corrupt over here. I'm gonna move to a different city or you know, whatever. It's like, how do you know that you're not the solution to the problem? How do you know that you're not the person that's supposed to help out and that your gifts and talents are specifically to help out that situation? I think a lot of us try to run to the what's comfortable my mother ran to what's uncomfortable. My mother went to to Lima, which is very poor. I mean, to go from Palos Verdes, where you live very safe, very relaxed, very Pleasantville, and to like go on your own retirement money, to go down to a place where food is very scarce or just there's a lot of impoverished people there, to help out cancer patients with no recognition at all or no money and using her own money to do it. I mean, that says something. So, she realized, she's like, I have something that I can give back. I believe in this version of healing people and I'm going to help people that have nothing. So I know some of you guys, if you've ever complained about what's happening in your city or ever complained about what's happening in your hometown, maybe where you grew up, maybe you're the solution. Maybe you're the person who's supposed to go back there and help out. And so hopefully you gain some insights uh, in regards to this. And um, again, these are 10 different things that my mother taught me. And hopefully you got out of out of those 10 things, hopefully two or three things resonated with you. And you can take that with you. Um, one of the major reasons why I started uh, Healing the Healer podcast is because my mother was a healer and she really, really never took time to heal herself until it was too late. She actually, you know, had to do some very serious, um, you know, had these amazing holistic doctors trying to work on her, but it was almost too late. Like it was just too late. She was already... Having intestinal issues for 10 years. And she just ignored it. You know, she just kept, you know, putting a band-aid on it and just kept going to work. And I think it's very important if you're a practitioner, if you're a healer, you need to take care of your own health, and me included. I need to take care of my own health. Sometimes I've neglected myself so I can help others. But this is this podcast is for people that are healers themselves. I'm going to be interviewing people that are holistic practitioners, some of the best out there. Um, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Brad uh, Brad Nelson himself, you know, founder of emotion code, body code, uh, really soon in the next few weeks. And, um, I just want to get some very high quality holistic practitioners that can give us the healers advice on how to help each other. Maybe you're just somebody who appreciates energy healing and you're listening to this podcast. You don't have to be a healer and you're like, I want to find more ways to take care of myself Then you've come to the right place. So with that, Thanks guys for listening, and uh, I will be doing a podcast soon uh, with my fiance Jessica. Uh, we have some very very serious subjects to talk about. For example, pornography, uh, also narcissism, just certain things that are kind of plaguing our society right now. But because they're you know nobody wants to talk about it or nobody wants to acknowledge the big gorilla in the room, we obviously have no fear to do that. And uh, she has a lot of she's done a lot of studying about that and um, a lot of even personal stories that she can relate with you guys that will empower you and help your family out. So I look forward to talking to you guys very soon with Jessica and um, until next time, take care. Bye-bye.